Welcome back. The second hour of the program, Missy in Summer Breakfast. Julian King and Jaleesa Raps and the chair for Vossie and Brandy this 26th of January, 2024. Australia Day. Sandra Sully, Australia Day Honours, are going to be our guest on the program later on today. We'll also catch up with Gav Robertson, who's part of the SEN cricket commentary team for the Sydney Test against Pakistan, and he'll run his eye over day one at the Gabba. JA, nice to see some fight from the West Indies. Yeah, it certainly was. And I have to say, like, I know we're probably biased because we're on this station, but the call uh, was really good. Sock and Barat and Jared, I was listening to last yep. night, really great. A best in the business. And yep. we're asking today, in light of all these Australia Day honours, and congratulations to, in fact, we'll run through those again. So the Young Australian of the Year goes to Olympic star Emma McKean. David Kosh, and Colo Get the Seven Network, uh, for significant service to media as a television presenter and to economic journalism. Ellie Cole, we mentioned uh, just reward for Ellie Cole, the retired four-time Paralympian. Jaleesa won 17 Paralympic medals, including six gold for significant services to sport as an advocate for diversity and inclusion. And Michael Bushell, the former marketing chief at the Sydney 2000 Games for significant services to sports administration through a range of roles. So we have been asking, if you could knight one Australian sports person, alive or dead, who would it be? I said Richie Benno. You counted with Alan Tongue, clearly on par. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Yeah, so Don has texted in. I nominate Dame Shane Gould, Australia's greatest swimmer, male or female, held every freestyle world record from 100 metres to 1,500 metres at the same time. This is a good one. Wins three individual golds and silver and a bronze at 1972 Munich Olympics when she was 15 years old. Phenomenal. World record from 100 through to 1,500. And it got too much. for She retired at 16, Shane mm. Gould. Like, what could have been? Yeah. You know, Rob has also said Kathy Freeman, yeah. who we mentioned before. Yeah, so yeah. she's your number two after Alan Tung. <laughs> Hang think on. I wasn't ranking. That. I wasn't ra- I was giving You weren't man- ranking or you weren't thinking? No. <laughs> well, a bit of column A, a bit of column I, B. I, yeah. You can give it a multiple at the same time. Can you? Yeah. No, I didn't agree to that. Well, uh, well, I did. Uh, I'm you're, making up the rules here. You're pulling rank. Um, now, the career males Peter Bedell believes Tavita Pengai Jr.'s link to the Brisbane Broncos is genuine. Now, this is an interesting story, a developing story too, that came to light well, maybe about a month ago, maybe a bit less, where he was spotted and they played it down saying, well, TPJ, no, he's just there to say good day to a few friends and the rest of it. All of a sudden, his head pokes up again. Now, Pete Bedell spoke to Sports State yesterday. Have a listen. Mail I've got is that Tavita Pangai is is genuine about making a cameo for the Broncos later this season. He won't be walking away from boxing. He's committed to boxing, but he's he signed a two fight deal to fight once in March in in Brisbane, and then he'll have another fight in May. He's eyeing uh, a, a late season stint with the Broncos now. Under the salary cap rules, the Broncos could not afford Tavita for a full season. If he was to play for any club for the last four months of the season, for example, they would only have to pay him 250000 I know that he's met with Kevin Walters, I'm told. They've had some preliminary discussion. I know the Broncos have not tabled an offer. There's every chance that he joins mid-season and it doesn't work out. If he does end up at Red Hill, half a season at 250000 how are you feeling as a dogs fan? How and how does this sit with you, J.A.? Um, not not great. Um, obviously this all sort of changed and came in these sort of late season deals when COVID, with COVID and everyone was in the bubble. So that's when it became the norm to 
do them because you needed people who were in the bubble to be able to play with other clubs. And it's hard to get people in the bubble without that two weeks quarantine. Now it seems to have been filtered its way back into NRL outside of that, where we are happy to sign players for short little bursts. I don't think that it would be successful. I I just think he's that kind of player that um, probably needs a bit of match fitness before he's going to be at his full peak. And I don't think you'll get a short stint out of him. Obviously, he's going to be fit because he's doing boxing, but it's very different. Well, I mean, you know, Gallon boxed at the same time as he played and a few other but, players But he was well, training, but, but he was no, playing I, week I, in, I week out. He, wasn't, he didn't play right at the end of a season. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, okay, if you're boxing and you're playing at the same time, no problem with your fitness and your match fitness. Coming in at such a short stint. But you don't think he could make the adjustment? I mean, somebody of that calibre, at 250k, I reckon worth the gamble. To you know, that's make, where his heart lay. Make that adjustment quickly? Oh, I don't see why not. I think he could do it. Uh, you know, he's an elite footballer, right? It, it, for me, the, the concerning thing is the narrative around falling out of love with the game. Don't worry, I'm not coming back. We heard that. I'm not coming back oh, to I rugby never league. Believe. You know, I'm going to go box, and all of a sudden, he could be returning to the game six months down the track. How do Canterbury fans feel about this? You know, do we then implement or enact some kind of rule that says, well, for whatever the remaining time of his contract was at the Dogs, he cannot play rugby league again until that time? Because then it looks like there's a loophole. So get out, oh, I'm going to retire, uh, get out of your contract. Granted, he doesn't get the money. But if he just wants out, he doesn't care. Wants to return to Brisbane. And six months later, he could be wearing Broncos colours. It, it looks from afar like he's gamed the system. Why does that bother you, though, if he, if he didn't want to be at the Bulldogs? No, look, it, it doesn't necessarily. It bothers a lot of people, though. So if you know if everything's mutual and everyone agrees, then then fine, okay. But don't, just don't spin this up. I don't want to play the game, fall out of love, and all of a sudden, if, if your motivation the whole time is just to get out, and we don't know, we're only speculating, and maybe it's a cynical point of view, if your motivation the whole time was to, I never gelled with Sydney, I want to get out and return to Brisbane, I'll just call retirement, so pursue a career in boxing, but I didn't, you know, that was never uh, the exclusive reason for wanting to get out of the game. Uh, for me, the ultimate goal was to return to Brisbane and play rugby league again. I never thought that he would ne- ne- never return. So I, when, when he left, I thought, we'll see him back. Mm. So I never believed that he'd never return. I don't necessarily think that what he's, I don't believe what he said though. Have you ever fallen out in love with your job, out of love with media? I have. And wanted to be I like, fell out of love with that air supply song. And wanted I'm all to out of leave, love. Like, it's a shocker. You wanted to leave your job briefly. Mm. They have the luxury of doing that. We don't. I, I believe that, yeah, you can fall out of your, you, you've just fallen out of your love with your job and then suddenly you're like, oh, all right, you know what, actually, I, there was a piece of me that was unfinished here. The open line number one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 We'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, I'll tell you what, you know, we are watching the cricket yesterday, JA, and they were 5 for 64 with, okay, here we go again. Australia will be batting tonight. Then all of a sudden, we saw them dig their heels in. 149-run partnership. Okay, we've got a game here. And it stumps now. West Indies, eight for 266. A man who's watching this very closely is our friend and colleague, Gavin Robertson. He's on the line right now. Morning, Robbo. Good morning, Double J. I was going to both call you, but I won't do that. Uh, you're old <laughs> enough to remember <laughs> Double J before it became Triple J. You're a drummer, Robbo. You would have, I uh, am. You would have jammed out to, to that back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So, But I hope you're both going well. And yes, you're, you're right. It was a Look, I think it was very, very good. I was, to be honest, blown away by that test match. I thought they were gone. So what they've done is surprised the hell out of us. 
149 runs. Kevin Hodge, 71 of 194 balls. Josh De Silva, the keeper, 79 and 157 balls. That was a wicketless second session, but it really rebalanced the match. And the thing about this, Robbo, is that, yes, we're Australian fans. We want to see Australia win, but... You know, taking your colours off, just as cricket fans, this is what you want to see sort of outside the big three is competitive cricket, and that's what we witnessed. Yeah, I, I, I'm, it's almost like today's got, as a world, we've gotten so nice that we're not allowed to speak about um, one of the enjoyments of sport. And realistically, one of those enjoyments is a battle. And I know it's almost like, you know, we can't speak like that anymore, Gavin, but we, we do love a battle. And I just love the fact that, look, to be honest, we're talking about, I looked at the pink ball and the shape and I thought they're going to go here. Five for 64, I'll be lucky to get 120. But I just saw some some great, I suppose, sporting toughness. And you looked at uh, the way uh, De Silva and Hodge batted together and I just think that they decided to, to fight because when you're playing, it, that's what playing for your country really means. You know, can I can I bring my best to this this game? Not for me. It's for my teammates. It's for my country. Can I can I serve in that way? Because let's be really honest. You know, it's just sport, so it's a nice way to serve. Mitchell Stark to the impact that he had, but it was interesting. Towards the end, he actually looked like he was getting a little bit frustrated. But um, just talk us through like what kind of impact he has on a game like that and, and when he's at his best, like how brilliant he really is. Well, I think that people sometimes denote that uh, they don't bring Mitchell Stark's name up uh, in that three. They'll bring him up third. They'll go Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelwood, mm. Mitchell Stark. But look at Mitchell Stark's numbers, but uh, the his strike rate is very good. He's actually very difficult to face. So if you ask another batsman, who would you rather face? Yeah, he's say, actually very difficult to face. <laughs> Left arm, 145k yeah. Thunderbolt swinging in late. There's an understatement, Robbo. But it's also that he doesn't have that clean action. Like if you're facing Josh Hazelwood or Brett Lee, you see a nice, mm. clean, open action. And so you're seeing the ball all the time. And when, when you're facing Mitchell Stark, for example, or you're facing um, Shoah Bakhtar, for example, or Wazim Akram or Wako Yunus, the ball is hidden, and it's just it comes late, and it makes it just that little bit more difficult. I I just was uh, I enjoyed watching him bowl when when he gets his shape exactly where he wants it. Uh, he's, he's dangerous. The other thing about him is we do forget that he can not only bowl with the, the new ball; he can be just as good to the old ball. So mm. I was very happy with his four for yesterday. And um, look, I mean, we keep debating how long is Mitchell Stark for example, and Josh Hazelwood going to play. I, I think they've got another very strong two years. You reckon? You know, I was having this discussion I... yesterday with, with my brother as to how much longer they have. But just just on Stark, I mean, 350 test wickets in the top five of all time in Australia. I'm glad you, you mentioned that because sometimes he's probably not given the due recognition that he deserves. But these numbers stack up and, and you know, you think about the late Shane Warne and the criticism, fire up, Mitch, get a bit of mongrel. And, you know, when he's off, he might throw you the odd four ball. But 350 test wickets, Robbo, yeah, the average 27. But, you know, the strike rate, 48.49. I mean, that's why you have him in the side. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you would also remember he has had to go through almost a, a media debate numerous times about his career, at times if, if he's not having a good six months. But, I, I just look at a fellow, he 
you know when you see him in the press conference, for example, you think, wow, he is just so humble. He yeah. is so nice. And that's really who he is. But when you get into a battle onto the cricket field with him, he he is all in. And he's the type of fellow that you want in your team. And um, I, I just, you know, we're talking about a fellow that, I mean, that you know the day before the test match, he just he snuck out onto the golf course. And he's off 12, mind you, and he won the Royal Queensland Golf Day for the members there. So he's the sort of guy that likes a tournament. He likes a challenge, and um, I think he'll continue on. And look, here's the bigger thing is, what are we going to do? How do we um, change our team and grow it like we used to? Because they play a lot longer. They play a lot to an older age now. The only good thing about it is we have numerous bowlers waiting but we don't have a large lineup of batsmen waiting. Oh, sorry, batters waiting. Mm, mm. Well, Starks now what three off DK Lilly. You know, that that's quite an achievement. Yeah. He, you know, could get that in the second test. Uh, speak uh, second innings rather. Speaking of uh, batters, who do you reckon's due for the Australians when they go out and about, Robbo? Um, look, I actually do believe that um, Steve Smith will do well in the last part of his career as an opening investment. So I, I, I'm a, am expecting him um, to do well. The, the other thing about it is, uh, is that it was very noticeable to me that um, the, I think the West Indies have done some very good study. Now, not, not too many people have picked this up, but um, and we're talking about a, 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 a national team that's come to Australia with 15 players. Seven of them are debutantes, mind you. So there's no experience in this side. Yet they've obviously studied, not on the whiteboard worked out, you're buying the suit since you've got to bowl 10 centimetres, 10 to 15 centimetres outside off mm. consistently. Because if you see Steve Smith batting, his back foot will move and then it stays. So that means wherever the ball goes, he's got to take the bat to, not his head to. And that, what happens is, and you saw it in the, in, in the first test, is you'll see his head and his eye line not in line with the ball. And that can be dangerous if the ball is shaping. Now, we've got a pink ball here in this test match, and it's going to shape. So it's going to be a very good test to see Smith. Can he handle that? I'm, I'm interested to see because I'm actually quite impressed with their bowling. And to be really honest, I've been a bit disappointed with the Windies in the last 20 years because they were frightening when I was growing up. But uh, I really do see a, a team that's playing for a, their nation and they're playing, they, they could become a, a good team. Is there any concern around Australia's batting heading into particularly, I guess we're playing New Zealand next? Has the fact that our bowlers have cleaned up and we've won pretty comfortably hidden maybe a few um, fragile elements we have in the whole batting side? Yeah, I think the, the batting definitely is a bit of a concern. Look, to be honest, batting is a concern in Test cricket. And it's because of the other form of cricket called T20 cricket. So you've got two um, formats that are not about the physical side of the game. They're about the mental side of the game. And how you think as a batsman in a Test match is very different to how you think as a batsman in a T20 game. This is so. This is the issue that the, the players today have to deal with, understanding both formats. And I can understand. I mean, I'm not, not sitting here as an older person saying, 
you should know better. What I'm saying is it is a little bit more difficult because they're either extremely aggressive off 20 overs and, and there's no risk. And then you go into a test match and for a batter, it's like, wow, okay, there's risk here. I've got to create a partnership. I've got to bat time. I've got to, I've got to assess who's bowling as, a, as not just one bowler, but the two bowlers bowling together as a group are bowling really well. I've got to get through this hour. So that's, that's the art of test match cricket. So look, I hope that um, we understand all that and we handle that because there's a few concerns. I mean, you know, you look at, I mean, Travis Head, brilliant player, right? But he's had a difficult three months. Yes, he got runs in the last test match, but, you know, he could have been out early. Um, we go, look at Pakistan, they dropped 11 catches. Mm-hmm. Now, we we as a public or in the media, we forget those 11 catches, but when the older players got together for a golfing uh, thing a few weeks ago, and even at the six and out function, they were talking about it, that what if seven of those 11 catches were taken? Then it could have been Pakistan-Australia one all. So these are the things we, we're not often talking about because we, we generally talk about a lot of the nice stuff, but I find there's a lot of the public still very knowledgeable about the game and they, they bring these things up with myself and other people. You mentioned there six and out, Robbo, uh, just before we let you go. See, normally at a six and out gig, Jaleesa, there'd be young women just fainting, not uh, Australian cricketers that go on golf days. But sure enough, here we are, such is the impact of that band. <laughs> Tell us about the gigs coming up, Robbo. Well, it's, it's been incredible. It's only been like 41 days ago we decided to come back and play and all of a sudden we... We took off and played to Melbourne and Sydney and Adelaide to 1,500 people. So it was, it was a bit of a surprise. But, um, look, it's been, it's been magnificent. It was 25, it was actually 26 years ago now, but we're celebrating 25 years. And, and we thought we were done and dusted. But once we got back and did the PM's night for Anthony Albanese, we thought, geez, we do miss this. And then what's happened is that the, the people have... In, in by them turning up in the way they do, they're telling us they miss it too. So, look, I'm really happy, and we've 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 got a few things coming up. We'll probably do the flood relief up at Lismore, and we're looking at India apparently, and a few other things. So we're gonna we could get a little bit busy, but primarily our show is not overly boring. We are. <laughs> There's we're, a, it's we're, not we're, overly boring. There's a silly. Point. Have you got one in Sydney I can and go to? Off the top of your head? Well, we just played. We just did play at Paddington two weeks ago. But um, look, we will get down. There's, there's a chance, apparently, on um, I think it might be February the third. Uh, so we're trying to find out about that. But we'll try and keep everyone up to date. But I think the bigger thing is that you, you look at um, we're a show that you know we often get turned. Uh, you know, the Brett Lee name will be brought up, but. You know, not to forget Shane Lee or Brad McNamara. I mean, Brad McNamara is probably one of the greatest one-day bowlers I ever played with. But we are only Cheeks, a band um, because of Richard Cheekway. Yeah. He's probably one of the best. As, as was said by Chris Thomas and a few others the other day, and Chris Thomas has only uh, produced five Beatles albums. But Richard's <laughs> just born doing this, and, and he's a, being a front man is a very, very difficult job. So... Um, no, look, and and our biggest thing is don't just go and play for us. Really try and give the crowd, get them involved, and make sure they have a really good time. And but what's you know what's even more interesting? Like I've only just I've now got a proper telephone. I don't have a Nokia seventy four ten anymore. And um, we've even learnt about Facebook. Wow. And we've learnt about Instagram, all of that stuff. Oh, add me. 
He's getting he's yeah. getting with the times in 2010. Good on you, Rob. Robbo, we'll check it all no. out, six and out, mate. we got to fly. We're caught between a clock and a hard place. Great to get your thoughts. Great to catch up, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. He's, uh, Gavin yeah. Robertson. Uh, summer breakfast powered by Kubota. Jules and Jaleesa are in for Vossi and Brandy. For over 40 years, we've, made, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Summer breakfast. Julian and Jaleesa are in the chair for Vossi and Brandy. We've got the news headlines coming up momentarily. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness. Contact Bryden's Lawyers. The text line 0457 736 736. Uh, regarding Brendan Julian, Jules, fair enough. Forgot about his Windy's 1995 tour efforts. Exonerated. Thank you. The most obvious knighthood sir brandy and a spoon yes <laughs> what is that audio from uh we recorded him when he was at new south wales camp ordering his breakfast and he requested a spoon uh, every day actually. can i hear that again uh, sure and a spoon yes he's <laughs> <laughs> very serious so we're gonna think a spoon He's very serious during Origin Camp, Brandy. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a bit less serious this season, Correct. isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Okay, <laughs> so hang on. Because you mentioned a spoon, does that qualify him for, for a knighthood? It's a low bar we're setting. Good morning, Brandi. We miss you and can't wait to hear you back on the airways of Vossi sooner rather than later. What about South Coast Doctor here, Jaleesa? Yeah, so Peter Volandis. I, I'm interested if the South Coast Doctor and the Shoalhaven Doctor are, are the same listener. You reckon they're... Oh no, I don't think they are. No, it sounds like they're not. If they're, they're separate re- doctors. Yeah. You know, that's... Well, now <laughs> I don't know who to go to on the, when I'm down the South Coast. It's high society listeners here on yeah, the I'll summer say. breakfast program. Uh, Peter Volandi, I don't mind that. PBL. He's always the knight in shining armour, isn't he? We've got visa issues. Peter, do you just uh, solicit the help of, of Kevin uh, Rudd? And a lot of people fix it, yeah. don't like PBL. I'll always be thankful for him keeping my career going mm. by getting the NRL going again. <laughs> and he also makes me feel less bad about my ill-fitting suit. 0457 736 736. Summer breakfast. Let's get the latest news headlines. Thank you, Vanessa. Breakfast powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Julian King and Jaleesa Raps with you on this Australia Day, 26th of January, 2024. If you're just waking up, here is some of what is making news. A fight back from the West Indies sees the test... I don't know if you call it evenly poised, but uh, certainly at 5.64, it was looking like the Aussies were going to run through them. And given the threat of the cyclone by day three, we thought we might have a result, as we saw in Adelaide. But eight for 2.66 at Stumps. Nice to see. Well, a bit of a bit of resistance, Jaleesa Raps. Mm. Yeah, certainly. Um, we've got, been asking people for their knighthoods. Who would you knight? And you said... Richie Benno's got to yeah. be top of the pops. I said Alan Tung. Mm. You also said Kathy Freeman Kathy has been Freeman. popular as well. So yeah. given the Australian Day honours, Emma McKean, Olympic champion, young Australian of the year, and a handful of others, Ellie Cole as well, uh, the retired four-time Paralympian, 17 Paralympic medals uh, also featuring in Australia Day honours. So who would you knight, alive yeah. or dead, Australian sports person, if they did indeed, as Tony Abbott did ever so briefly, bring back knighthoods. Just on the tennis, uh, Irina Sabalenka has reached her second consecutive Australian Open final, defeating Coco Goff. A second match point for the world number two as she sends that to the back end of Goff into the net. And Irina Sabalenka has found a way, as the champions do. Challenged tonight by Coco Goff. A rematch of their US Open final of 2023 and this time it goes the way of Arena Sabalenka and her winning record in Melbourne extends to 13 straight. Now Sabalenka will face Chinwen Zheng, the Chinese 12th seed in the women's final after Zheng defeated the Ukrainian qualifier Diana Yastremska in straight says that was quite a story. She made the semi-finals the first qualifier in 46 years 
to make an Australian Open semi-final. In the NBL, South East Melbourne Phoenix have heaped more misery on the Sydney Kings at the moment. They defeated them 104-98 to in a boil over in Melbourne last night. We mentioned their Emma McKean, Young Australian of the Year, Australia's most successful Olympic medalist. And as you said, we're asking this morning if Australia brought back knighthoods, which Australian athlete are you knighting? You can call us as well, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 01 1170. We have lines available. Don says the, the other obvious knighthood is Dame Heather McKay, the world's greatest squash player, male or female, and unbeaten for more yeah. than a decade. Heather McKay. I was waiting for somebody to mention that. 16 years undefeated. Sorry, is it McKay or McKay? McKay. Heather oh, McKay. Apologies. 16 years undefeated, Heather McKay. Right. And finally, squash have earned their place in the Olympics. Now, is it coming up in 2024? I should know that. So we've got the Paris Games coming up this year. Uh, Lieutenant Dan, can you just double check that for us? So no, squash, they've the, been, is it the following year? It might be the following, 2028. Yeah, but I think it's 2028 it's coming. Yeah, and yeah. finally, which is good because it's sort of one of those, I guess, more, ma- well, not mainstream, but more traditional sports because now you've got your break dancing, your surfing and, and all I these I can't say things, I'm a big squash follower, but my God, I hear a lot about it in my household. Why? Oh, my partner just loves squash. I actually, when I read that text, I thought Nick's text in. How many people come out and say they love squash? Have you? Do you play squash with him? No, God, I'm awful. No, awful. But, no, but that doesn't mean doesn't preclude you oh, from no, playing just because you suck. Couldn't. I mean, look at Dan; he's terrible. No, but, but he I, still phys- plays I, I physically couldn't. Like I, I, I'm so bad that you couldn't play a game of squash with me. But he loves squash, yeah. and he's always like, "You don't give squash a big enough run on anything, on anything you do." Well, there you go, Nick. That's for you. Yeah. And thanks to Don. Thanks so Dame Heather McKay, 16 years undefeated. And we think about you know Rodney Art and Rodney Isles uh, and Lisa Martin and Jahangir Khan. And, but finally, squash has earned its place in the Olympic Games and not a moment too soon. 0457 736 736. We'll get the rest of your feedback in a moment. We're here thanks to Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. Julian and Jalissa in the chair for Vossie and Brandy. Summer breakfast this Australia Day, the 26th of January, 2024. Tops are 38 in Sydney, 40 out west. It's a good day, Jalisa, to get a load of sheets done. To go to work. <laughs> that too. one 1170 G'day, Mark. G'day, Jules. G'day, Jalisa. Happy Australia Day to you both. And to you. Thank you, Mark. No problem. And I think knighthood-wise, the Chapel brothers, Dennis Lilly and Rod Marsh, should be great because they were always my favourite Australian yeah. cricketers growing up. And on the ladies' side, I think we should have Lane Beachley, Tracy Wickham and Lisa Curry knighted because I think we can't forget about our sporting champions. And Tracy Wickham, especially, has really done it tough in the last few years. Mm. I mean, she lost a daughter around about 2008. Yeah. And then she had a bad accident where she fell and had to get three spinal fusions, among other things. And we can't forget about our Aussie sporting champs. You know, once they fade out of the limelight, as it were, we've got to keep supporting them, in my opinion. And I would give a knighthood to you two as well, because you always put out good quality work. And I think you overcome some mighty big hurdles in your professional lives. So well done to you both for perseverance and the way you always provide us Aussie sporting fans with high quality work. Oh, well, thank you, Mark. I mean, I, you had me until that point. And then I was like, oh, the bar's on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, can I just say that if there was something in the prize cupboard, uh, we'd send it to you. That's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's on the cards today, mate? What are you up to? Well, I'll be doing a lot of housework around here, looking after my two very cute German shepherds. I reckon oh. they should not hood for cuteness. Oh. And... Oh, um, <laughs> 
they have two. I, I had two massive German shepherds, Indian Caesar, and um, they always keep me fit. Like when we go for a run around the neighbourhood, as soon as I lock the front gate, we're sprinting. We're gone because Caesar's always like in overdrive mode, oh, so the Indian's yeah. just behind him. So it's like spending some good quality time with them as well. Yeah. Outstanding. Oh, that's awesome. Great to hear from you, Mark. Thank you so much for your kind words. Have a great day. Thanks, Mark. Okay, see ya. 1-300-01-1170, that is the open line number. So, Mark, we're asking today, uh, who would you knight? We're talking about Australia Day honours. If they did bring back knighthoods, as we ever so briefly did, uh, well, I wouldn't give on to Prince Philip. Mark reckons the Chapel Brothers, Lillian Marsh, and, you know, that, that with many people would describe as the golden generation of Australian cricket, you know, and the melanoma generation too, because they have the, the shirts unbuttoned. And Ian Chappell once said, I blame, you know, his melanomas, his skin cancers. I blame Richie, because he loved Richie as a kid growing up, but he had the shirt sort of unbuttoned down low. They had those flimsy terry toweling hats, which wouldn't protect anything, and just in the sun, baking sun. Mm. And years, years later, they're, they're being punished for it. But yeah, Chappell, Lillian Marsh, and of course, speaking of Lily, uh, Mitchell Stark closing in on Dennis Lilly's test match account. 355 wickets uh, at the moment. Stark is 352, so he might get there in the second dig. 0457 736 736. Howard working, unfortunately. Zagabo. J.A., I wanted to call you on Monday regarding superstitions. My superstition is that I can't call on an odd day. Also, Friday and uh, usually feels like a sandals day to me, but you're, it's a public no, holiday. You know, you're not going to understand. Feels this, like a cross on. Uh, does it feel like that to you? Great show and all the best to you both. So I, I read out Howard's text because I really need you to Decipher explain it. this. Okay, all right. Let me tell you. Us, it's a few parts series. First of all, working as uh, a Garbo today, that has to be the kids' most excitable. Like, don't you reckon everyone who has kids? They're so happy when it's Garbo Day because they the kids are always out the front waiting for the Garbo. All my friends' kids are. Your just, friends' kids are out the front waiting for the Garbo. They love watching sort of, the Garbo turn what, up. What time do these kids wake up? Because if oh, a Garbo comes early. at like four or something, you oh, let the kids walk out of the street. Do you know? Mine's not coming. I don't know. You can hear them coming down the street. I remember but they back love, in the day. Like, they love just like lining up and, and looking for the Garbo. Second, mm. J.A., I wanted to call you on Monday Re Superstitions, but my superstitions I can't call on an odd day. We were talking about superstitions on the show. Yes. So that makes sense. Now, this is where it's going to need some explaining. Friday feels like sandals, but if it's a public holiday, it feels like croissant. Does it feel like that to you? Great show and all the best to you both. This is a very loose discussion that we had on the show. I'm getting that. Where I was talking about how things have the same vibe. So like Thursday is like 8.30 and like right-handed is like fork. Do you get what I mean? Anyway, Howard gets what I mean, and that's all that... We're it, here thanks to Brighton's lawyers. <laughs> <And we're... laughs> Howard understands me. <laughs> that is a superstition. Neil McKenzie, the former South African cricketer, used to... He couldn't go out to bat until all the toilet seats were down in the dressing room. Well, that's just good hygiene. It's a good hygiene. Well, yes, you don't want to flush with the toilet seat up because it tends to throw up a lot of foreign Disgusting. matter in the air. See, that's interesting. Okay, and, and the Garbos. I, I don't know of any kids that are out the front waiting reckon? for it. No, oh, I don't. All my friends' kids, they love the Garbo. So if a Garbo, for example, comes... They're obsessed comes, with the Garbo. So if the Garbo comes down the street at, say, 4.30 in the morning, the kids are out the front at 4.30 well, no, waiting I for the Garbo. Well, no, I don't think so, but I don't think any... Uh, these are country kids. I feel like the Garbo so little, comes so you're at talking like country. That's an important distinction here. Okay. Right, because I can't imagine in the city just letting the kids 
waltz out the front of the house just to watch the garbo come down the street. No, I don't think you should probably do that. No. Find him Burrow with her. You know, you know, details matter here, Lisa. <laughs> details matter. I remember that was literally one of my jobs and you know, as a teenager, my, make sure you take the rope. Yeah, 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 take the rope. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you hear the garbo coming to Oh crap. And oh, so no. I get up the next morning, I'm bolting out the front with these bags. The worst of feeling. <laughs> At four AM when you hear them, it's the worst feeling. And you're like, no. You do the walk of shame back in, you shake your head. I missed it. Yeah. You got a full garbage bin. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Thank you, Howard, uh, for that rather interesting I text. get it. Howard. Uh Bono Jack's is fair go, Jules. Tafita Pangai Jr. walked away from seven hundred and fifty thousand to pursue his dream. He was always coming back sooner than later. Now game is better for it. It is rough on the two thousand and four cap rorders, that being the Bulldogs. Uh thank you, Bondi Jack. Greenkeeping Rooster, good morning to you. He's taken Stark 87 tests to get to 350 test wickets, while it took only 70 for the great DK Lilly to get to 355. Yeah, touched upon that in the last hour. DK will always be the godfather of Australia's fast bowlers. Well, Mark from Quaggers Hill, Green Kevin Rooster, said that he'd knight Dennis Lilly. So if you brought back knighthoods for Australia Day Honours, who would you knight? DK absolutely would be there. Let's not forget too, Green Kevin Rooster. So 355 test scalps for DK Lilly in 70 tests. 67 World Series cricket wickets as well the best. They are not even counted as first-class statistics. Are we just knighting sports people? I yes. forgot at the start of the Well, show. it's a sports network, so yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wanted to knight Sulls. Who? Sandra Sully, who's coming on the show. Uh, we'll make an exception for Sandra Sully, but she's sort of loosely a sports person given her relationship with Hockey Australia. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's a lot with hockey. Uh, well, we should actually mention who the Australian of the Year is, by the way. Joint winners this year, Professors Georgina Long and Richard Scolia, recognised for their breakthrough world first melanoma cure. We're talking about melanopas mm. and, and Japelli and the rest of it, and cricketers back in the day. Professor Scolia has been in the spotlight over the past six months as he fights his own brain cancer battle in which he's pioneering new treatment off the back of what he knows working with melanoma. This is what makes me proud to be Australian is we have some of the best scientists oh, on yeah. the planet. Oh, yeah. You know, we've got to celebrate the intellect in this country, and I'm glad to see that. So congratulations to the Joint Australians of the Year, Professor Georgina Long and Richard Scolia. 0457 736 736. Melbourne Park Yoga, Yobbo's got a good nomination there, J.A. Mm, yeah, yeah. Sir Mark yeah, Edmondson. Edo, the last Australian to win the Australian Open in 1976. Uh, the... No, not the last Australian, because Ash Barty did. The boy from last Australian man, the la, the boy from Gosford was ranked two hundred and twelve in the world when he won. Marvel at the achievements this year of unsettled, yes, Diana Yastremska, ranked ninety three in the world, reaching the semi finals. But what about Edo's achievements? An unsung hero deserves a night. A good nomination, Melbourne Park Yobbo. And that was always the thing. Who was the last Aussie man to win at Edo? And prior to Barty winning, that was a great sporting trivia question. It was Chris O'Neill. Chris O'Neill. Okay, I'll let you stew over that. During the break. Thank you. We are here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. Summer breakfast.